Ordinary Voices is sponsored by RCL Worship Resources. RCL Worship Resources is creating dynamic, inclusive, progressive, grace-centered resource material designed to transform your congregation's worship experience. Their team of gifted writers and editors are creating worship planning materials to support congregations and leaders. Visit RCL Worship Resources to see their broad spectrum of resources. They're here to make your worship planning experience creative, easy, and fun. RCLWorshipResources.com. Worship that works for you. The whole week has been kind of on the fly. On the fly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's something, it seems I'm, something exhilarating. I'm, something I'm it. good at, yeah. <laughs> I, it's, it's something new and different. It's a lot of fun, that's for sure. <laughs> This is Ordinary Voices, inviting ordinary people into conversations about life and faith. I'm your host, Eric Elkin. I created this podcast to help me, a pastor, better understand people and the way they view the world. Now I'm inviting you into the conversation so together we might listen. Listen for the extraordinary stories dwelling inside every ordinary voice. Guests on this show are not authorities. They're simply people willing to share with us the authenticity of their own thoughts. I try to provide guests the freedom to talk and let them determine the direction of the conversation, then reflect upon the things I heard them say. Each show, I ask listeners to listen like a good camp counselor. Good camp counselors allow children to express themselves without judgment. They listen for what the camper is trying to say. People who listen tend to understand each other better and we live in a world desperate for ears. So let's begin today's show, Little Life Lessons. This past August, I drove up to Camp Vermilion on the shores of Lake Vermilion in northern Minnesota. The idea was to interview a couple of camp counselors, to find out how their summer went and what things they learned while the experience was still fresh in their minds. One interview got released as a show, Summer in Canoe Country. The other kind of slipped into the background as life in a congregation became a little overwhelming. It's a new year, and new years are great for new beginnings, so I decided to go back to that second interview and listen with my own perspective changed. I talked to Tyler and Tyler was not exactly the kind of counselor I was looking to interview. He only came up to camp one week of the summer, an emergency counselor for a camp in need of male staff. He took a week of vacation to lead a cabin of boys. Not everyone's idea of a getaway. My bias for outdoor ministries is no secret to those who listen to this podcast, but this really isn't a camp story. Tyler shares a bunch of little life lessons, lessons I didn't hear so well when we first talked but now all they do is grab my attention. Some of these lessons were learned at camp, others through the rocky parts of his young life. If you listen, he weaves these incredible insights into life as he talks about camp, family, children, and job. Wisdom for people of any age. So let's meet Tyler. Back in 2002, Okay. I was just a camper. I would have been fourth grade, okay. something like that. Yeah. Came up with your church? Yeah, a uh, small church in Little Fork. 
and that back then there wasn't a lot of people that actually wanted to go to church. So it was normally just me from my church, me and my brothers. Back we went to camp, we never actually saw each other. Okay. So for the longest time, and then he actually quit going to camp, and then that's when when my little brother came to camp. So I probably was a camper for about ten years. Okay. Yeah. In Little Fork, is that? That's on the in, right by International Falls. Oh. Right on the International Falls uh, Fort Francis border. Okay. So about 20 miles south of the Canadian border. Holy way up. God. Way up. Yeah, way up there. So this is like going south. This, yeah, <laughs> when I would go, yeah, this was two hours south of a drive for me. Yeah. Is, it, is it that far? Two hours? It is. It's a, yeah, it's about an hour and a half. Really? About, yeah. That's amazing to sit there and think there's that much of the state still yep, there. There is. Right? Yeah. So coming up from Brainerd, it was actually a three hour. Why did you go? My, my mom wanted me to. She went to camp as a kid. This camp? Not this camp. She was from uh, down in Benson, Minnesota. So okay. a little more farm country down there. Mm-hmm. But she thought it would have been a good thing for me to, me and my brothers to go to a camp over summer. So, yeah, she sent us and we just loved it. When you think back on that first summer that you came when you were a kid, what sticks out in your mind about that first summer? When It was new. It was different. Nothing. Something I've never done before. I don't think I talked to any of those people, but I still have relations with some of the guys that were in my cabin. So actually I bump into one in Hibbing, or in Brainerd every once in a while, and I bumped into a few in Hibbing when I went to college there. Oh really? But it was just, the all camp games is the thing I remember the most. Capture the flag is like a second grade boy. Right. And you always have like these older older kids like helping you out. I remember right. that probably. And the cookout on the trail. Those two things really stuck out to me. What about the cookout on the trail that you like? I don't. We were just eating over a fire. I don't. Oh, really? Yeah. I, was, I don't know. That was just it. We just out, and it was. It used to be such such a long hike when I was a kid. But now, look, as an as a counselor, we only went maybe a quarter of a mile. <laughs> That's a real funny thing. Growing up and seeing this, like we didn't go very far. We thought we were so far away from camp. It's just the, it's the funniest thing looking back on it from when, when I was a camper, or yeah, when I was a camper to a counselor. It's right. the funniest thing. <laughs> that is kind of funny. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was like ten miles away. It, it, it took Seriously. us like forever to get there. No, we went maybe three hundred yards. That's about it. <laughs> To a small child, the world is really big. In some ways, it's why these early memories remain forged in our heads. Short walks are long hikes. Simple games played for the first time are full of wonder. To an adult, an eighth grader is a child. To a second grader, they can never imagine being that old. This is perhaps a life lesson for all adults who talk to children. They see a whole different world. Small things are really, really big. Tyler's world is still getting bigger. It was my 10th grade year. I did, which was, it was called Lost. And then my junior year, I didn't do it. And then I came back my senior year and did the same program again with a much different group. The first year I did Lost, it was Leadership, Outdoor, Service, and Theology. That's what it stands for. Okay. So the, the first year I did it, there was a ton. There's probably 20, 25 kids that did it. And then the mm-hmm. second time, uh, there was only like seven of us or eight of us. So it was a much smaller group. We were much more involved, much more active. And on that, the second time around, we actually did a three-day Boundary Waters trip, which was a real, that was, for me, I've never done one before. And that was, that was real eye-opening. That was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. 
gets bigger by exploring new areas, a trip to a place you've never been before. Sometimes, though, going new places can be dark. Exploring is not always an exhilarating adventure, but painful, confusing. A life lesson Tyler learns the hard way. Kind of had a falling out with um, my faith in Christ and everything. My parents got divorced right around my first year of college. Okay. And I got into a bad relationship with a girl, and she was kind of clingy and needy and didn't let me really go out and do my own thing. Right. So I didn't really, I kind of quit going to church, got into fights with my parents a lot. And then I broke up with her when I was going to school for HVAC at the time, and I had this aha moment over Christmas break when I was up in International Falls working on Boise Cascade over Christmas break. Uh, heater on a rooftop, three stories high, it's 40 below, Okay. freezing, my fingers are popsicles at this point, and I'm thinking I need to do something different. And that's when I was, I was driving back to college and I called up a friend, which was also my camp counselor, and I was kind of venting to him, like telling him everything that was going on, and how I thought my life was falling apart, and then he said, well, have you gone to church lately? And I said, well, no, maybe you should look into that. And then I started going to this church in Brainerd, or in Hibbing, yeah, in Hibbing. And all of a sudden I made a couple phone calls to camp, and they sent me the forms to fill out, and I sat down with Gretchen, Gretchen Bachman, which is the one of the directors, and had an interview, and I was a camp counselor 2000, that would have been summer of 2014. Parents getting divorced is a very common thing nowadays. Right. And... Watching your parents get divorced when you're 18, 19 has a whole different effect on you and your brain right. than it does if you were, say, 9 or 10, I think. Because when you're 9 or 10, you just don't, you don't know really what's going on and you just get confused. Right. But when you're 18, 19, you know everything. You right. know what happened and what caused it and all that fun jazz. Right. So that, it just kind of... You're, you're almost a participant. In, yeah. I mean, so, an active participant. Mm-hmm. I guess you're always a participant. Yeah. In. So my mom was the one that actually got me into church. We went to church every Sunday. And she was the one that kind of helped me build my faith up as a kid growing up. Okay. Because um, I grew up in a church up in Little Fork where we were all, it seems like we were, we were always in between pastors. We'd have okay. one for like a year, year and a half, two years, and then all of a sudden we'd go two years without one. And my mom would always be that person that would step up and kind of help with that leadership role in the church. Right. So I was there counting the offering plate, getting communion ready every Sunday. Right. So I was really used to that. But my dad's actually an atheist. Okay. So that's a really interesting thing. And then me and my mom were really, really close. But in the divorce, it actually, we flip-flopped. Me and my dad were super close. Okay. And then me and my mom kind of fell apart. So I think that might have been why I quit going to church. Right. was because I lost that relationship with my mother. Right. But then I, me, now that I've been going back to church and had my re- religion rebuilt, and it's our relationships are getting better. Okay. That it's a long, long road to healing. It's a lot of, yeah, yeah very long, long road. road. A call to a former counselor leads to church. Church leads to a phone call to the camp. An interview leads to Tyler's first experience as a camp counselor. Solving a problem by going back to church is not always the answer, but sometimes it is. Although, to be honest, church didn't solve Tyler's problem. 
It just put him back into a healthier spiritual place. So then your first summer on staff here, mm-hmm. what, was, what do you remember when you think about that first summer? Craziness. A lot of information. I didn't really, you don't really know what you're getting yourself into right. until right. that first week of camp and you have six or seven boys and then they're just bouncing off the walls. And I always had that age group, which is the Trekkers, were fifth and sixth graders. Right. And that was kind of my, that's my area, the younger kids. The first couple of weeks were crazy. You're trying to figure out the Bible study and how to, how to act, react to kids acting out and kids participating. And some kids just have questions that I wouldn't even think of. Really? And it, you got to, yeah, you got to come up with answers and like, well... The Bible says this, and then you kind of got to feed off of it and have them answer their own question. Right. That's kind of the way I approached it. So do you felt kind of overwhelmed in that? Uh, you always feel overwhelmed. First, were you still at, in school then, or were you getting out? or? No, that was kind of my, that was the aha moment I had where I should go back to school and be a, a math teacher. It was okay. my first thought. And I went back, because I was really good at uh, chemistry and physics and calculus in high school, but I had a couple concussions. So that kind of not that messed with my brain a little bit. So I wasn't nearly as good as math as I thought I used to be. Right. So that knocked me down a peg or two. And, <laughs> and then I'm thinking, you know what? No, I should actually go into elementary ed. So I was working on my AA to become a second, second or third grade teacher, with kind of like a minor in coaching or right. sports. Sports. Yeah. Uh, but then that all got turned around. I got a job offer working in Brainerd for Center Point Energy. Okay, so that's kind of why. And I was actually, I was planning on coming back the year after. But this job offer was just too good and I couldn't, couldn't turn it down. Little life lesson number one. Learn how to have children or people answer their own questions. No one is all that qualified to answer questions for people. Actually, The more qualified one becomes in professional counseling, the more one understands this lesson. As we listen to Tyler share his story, the more you will hear him answering his own questions. I ask him about the kids in his current cabin. What's a group of kids like this week? My kids are all over the place. I got some that are really shy and quiet and kind of artsy. And then I have the complete opposite spectrum where they're extremely competitive and they have to win at everything. And if they don't, it's just a disaster. It's And then I have those kids in the happy medium. And it's weird because the, the flow is so up and down. But they like me and we're having so much fun and then I have to be the bad guy and it's all down in the dumps and they just hate me. And then it's like, oh, Tyler, you're the best. We love you. Come back next year. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, you're the worst counselor ever. I never want to come back here. So it's it's all over the place. But yeah. last night we stayed up. The boy, they were what's grade boys talking about girls. Right. Normal thing. And I'm right. just like, keep it down. Don't talk too loud. I'm okay with it. Right. So it's, yeah. And then there's some boys that just, they're not at that stage in life yet where girls still have cooties. Right. So it's, right. Yeah, it's just. It's all over the place. Ten, yeah, ten boys is a lot to handle. Great. Yeah, well, we were sitting at the beach. One of you know, one of the girls was talking to one of the boys, and the boy's like, "Wow, I mean, I, I kind of like her." There's always some type of camp drama and right. camp crush. Right. It's just, it's funny to, the, yeah, on our over, or not, it wasn't an overnight. It was just like our camp out. 
Right. We're kind of some of the counselors were sitting back and we're like, oh, so and so we're talking, and right. like staring at them, and then all of a sudden they see us looking, and then they just scatter like flies. So when these kids get to this point where they sit there, they go, oh man, you're the worst counselor ever. How do you handle that? Grain of salt. Grain of salt. They, I know it's not true, right? Because at the end of the day, they always come up and give me a hug, right? I mean, some of them. This is new for them too. This group of campers, uh, they're from the city, so they're used to a more resort camp. Yeah. Last night, you know, we spent probably it was noon to nine o'clock out in the wilderness, as I would say, which really, or as they would call it. And it, to me, this is just a no another normal day. Grow right. me growing up in a town of six hundred people, where my nearest neighbor was a mile away. Right. There's I was used to being around woods and being in quiet, desolate areas. Right. I didn't have a phone until I was a ninth grader, not because my parents didn't want me to, is because there's no cell service. Right. So these kids coming up here and getting thrown into something that's completely new, and this camp has a lot of structure, where pretty much hour by hour, everything's planned down to within 15 minutes. Right. In their other camp, they could just kind of wander off and do what they wanted as they pleased. So a lot of them are getting used to that. Right. So I, when I say, hey, no, you can't just disappear on me, I'm like, you gotta tell me where you're going. That's really new for him. So that's that's something that I was really strict about the first couple of days. Right. Because I'm like, oh, where are you going? You can't leave. But right. now I understand that, that this is new for him. Life lesson number two. Take rejection with a grain of salt. A child, even when that child's an adult, does not have the power to define your level of worth. So take mean words with a grain of salt. Understanding a person's fears helps one minister to them and creates calm. I have a common interest with all 10 of my kids, right. I've found. So being able to find that little common interest is what can make you a good counselor or a bad counselor. Because if you can't find one thing in common with a kid, then that you just, you can't talk, you can't relate, you can't really do anything. Right. So how do you go about finding out what's that common thing? Picking away. Picking just away. Slowly asking questions, you know, those whole get in a circle, tell me what you like, and I'm like, okay, I can deal with that. You like reading? Harry Potter. I, boom, boom. There you go. Right. Who doesn't like Harry Potter? <laughs> uh, and then I have a ton of boys that are in sports, or some of them just like to sit there and read, and I'll right. talk to them about what they're reading, and what the story is like, I'm like, oh, is there like this just one book or is there a series? Have you read the other ones? Stuff like that. Or I just have them teach me how to make friendship bracelets. Right. Because that's something every everybody can do. Life lesson number three. Look for common interests. It sounds so simple listening to Tyler talk about it as a counselor working with fifth and sixth grade children almost too simple to take seriously. However, an adult using the same strategy in the business world would make a lot of money and be an effective leader. Isn't that what Bill Belichick does with the New England Patriots? That first moment, you're here, the bus shows up, you got these 10 kids. Mm -hmm. What's the first thing you do with them when, you, when they come? smile <laughs> first thing I do is smile and say hi 
Some of them got up. <laughs> so you can see it. I have a sleeve up my right. So a lot of them were thinking, oh my gosh, this guy is so mean. And I kind of have a, a shorter haircut on the side, so it looks like I'm in the army or military or something, which I'm not. It's not true. But a lot of them thought I was just going to be the strict drill sergeant, which I kind of was for the first day. And they, now that's the joke. It's like, oh, drill sergeant Tyler's around. Got to be good. But I just smile and ask them how the bus ride was and be like high five and super cheery. And they, they slowly come around. They yeah. do. Do you meet with them to kind of set boundaries or rules right away? or do you Yeah, that's I try to set boundaries and rules right away. That's when we get back to the cabin. I, my first boundary is, all right, this is your bunk and this is your stuff. Don't dig into other people's stuff unless they give you permission. It's kind of the first one, and then I slowly add them on from there. Camp has a bunch of camp rules that we have to go through. So right. they we have an orientation at the beginning, and we tell, tell them all when we act them out. Right, all the rules. So when you when you're working with your kids, what are your like? These are my 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 really important things that you guys got to do. Rules. I don't even know if I want to say the rules. Not rules. It's just but just those life. Like, I try to teach little life lessons. Okay. Like just be respectful. Right. My and one of my things is uh, take your hat off when you pray. That's so when we circle up. That's one thing that I try to get into them is. You know, just when someone's talking, and especially when the older camp, other counselors, not just me, other counselors or leadership staff are talking, try to be quiet and respectful and listen. Right. That's kind of what I, those are my main ones. Yeah, why the hat, why the hats off? I don't know. Old fashioned, yeah. I guess. That's just how I was. I grew up in a family where we always had dinner every night, sat down, table. Uh, my house was backwards because my dad worked early hours and my mom was a banker so she would work her nine to five but by the time she got home it was five thirty six ish so my dad would always get home about two thirty three so my dad was always one home and ready to prep the meals okay so my dad always cooked every night okay sat down had dinner and it was right around mom got home 30 minutes and dinner was ready 30 45 minutes dinner was ready except for when me and my brothers had sports then we'd have dinner at 7 30 at night right. after mom or dad would pick us up we'd get home but then again We'd get home, dinner would pretty much be on the table. We'd go down, put our stuff away, come back up, sit down. Right. And, yeah, Dad just said, hats off or you're doing dishes. Right. It only takes so many times to do dishes before you learn to take your hat off. And that's just one of those things that's always stuck with me, even to this day. I actually had a kid write, or I had a, not a kid, a parent, the mother wrote back to the camp saying, all of a sudden my son is taking his hat off and he started yelling at his dad to take the hat off at dinner tables <laughs> and she's like sure and in it it said something about the camp counselor made him do this and she just wanted to say thank you that was it she's like thank you for teaching my boys a life lesson and i'm yeah. like didn't even know i was doing it but it made it back home like awesome life lesson number four Smile. Life lesson number five, take your hat off when you eat and pray. Life lesson number six, be respectful to others. Not bad stuff. Let's take a moment for a commercial break. Ordinary Voices is about listening. Listening to the thoughts of ordinary people in hopes we can build a better understanding of ourselves and each other. I want to thank you for listening. If you're interested in hearing more Ordinary Voices, go to the website 
ordinaryvoices.org. That's ordinaryvoices.org. Or follow it on iTunes or Stitcher. If you just want something to read, sign up to receive the devotions on the website, ordinaryvoices.org. The devotions are turned into short prayer podcasts to help busy people find time to pray and reflect. Ordinary Voices is a listener-supported show, so if you enjoy it, please consider financially supporting it on the website, ordinaryvoices.org. Also, check out RCL Worship Resources, creating dynamic, inclusive, progressive, grace-centered resource material designed to transform your congregation's worship experience. Visit rclworshipresources.com and make your worship planning experience creative, easy, and fun rclworshipresources.com Worship that works for you. Now let us return to Tyler. So when you think about yourself as a counselor, what do you what do you say, this is what I'm this is what I'm good at. This is what I Patience. Patience? Patience is my I, that's what I would like to think. Yeah. Um, always smiling patience. How does patience work out in a day? I mean, where, where's a good example of something? May, normally in the morning or at night or pretty much any time when we get back to the cabin, I'm like, alright boys, let's change, get our swimsuits on. Seems like there's always one or two that are like, well, I didn't hear you say that after I said it ten times. Right, and it's just right. like, alright, come on, let's go. Let's Hurry up, please. Let's get going. We're waiting for you. We'll be outside the cabin. Right. Let's go. Right. And it's just you, I do repeat myself 10 to 20 times a day saying the same thing over and over <laughs> I, I said something today I never thought I would have had to say they have little cups of juice and I saw my boys balancing on their hat brims full cups of juice balancing on their hats and I yelled out don't balance that on your hat and they looked at me and all of a sudden one spills and I'm like uh, oh boy here we go get reconnected to camp by the time you get reconnected to the church. Yeah. Uh, what, what kind of role has camp played in your faith life? Huge. Uh, you know, the Bible studies really aren't just for the kids. They're for, they're for us too. We I get a lot out of them. My favorite is uh, morning and evening uh, devotionals, because that's when I like to bring my stuff in. There's a couple verses that I love to use. It's I couldn't tell you where it is, but it's do not worry about tomorrow, for today has enough worries of its own. Worry about today. Or worry about, yeah, worry about today. Or something like that. And that's one that I, I use a lot. Just because I think it's, in today's world, it's just so so relevant. Right. I mean, everybody's like, well, I gotta do this. I'm late for work. My, this bill's passed. I'm like, you know, it, it's past, it's past. It, right. it happens, man. Everybody gets caught up in the world. Everybody gets busy. It is what it is. One of my conditions for working was I want to be able to use a sauna. Yeah. So the sauna was stoked, and I got to use it. And then I so got here about eight, 7, 8 o'clock, had a little snack, met some people, talked to some new people. It was also alumni weekend, so I got to see some old friends. Then we all went. To, then a bunch of us went down to the sauna, and I met a bunch of new friends and new people. And then that night, when we were all done, I moved my truck to the what I thought was the cabin I was going to be staying in unloaded it and the next morning when, it, when I went to move it just didn't start just all of a sudden just wouldn't do anything it wasn't the battery it wasn't the fuel pump it was some type of um, relay that just went bad on me right. and I'm just thinking of course 
this would be how it, my week plays out. Like, you know, now I'm stuck here. I get, not only am I thrown back into a cabin with 10 kids, on a, I haven't done this curriculum for two, two and a half years, three years, and now I gotta figure out how in a 50 minute break period in the day, how to fix my truck. But I, I talked to a couple people and they said, call Gary at the tire shop, tell him Joel sent you. And sure enough, I called him. I said, hey, Gary, Tyler, VLM, my, my truck's broke down at Camp Vermilion. Anyway, if I get it towed in, you'd be able to take a look at it. And he said, well, if it's, and I, and I told him what I thought it was. He said, ah, I'll do it. I'll see what I can do. Earlier in the phone call, the, the previous day, he said, well, we might not be able to get to it till next week. And my thought is, yeah, that doesn't work for me. I got to go back to work on Monday. That's not cool. And you need the truck. And yeah, and I need my, tr I need my truck to get home. So then I got to go to work on Monday. Like, this isn't going to work. But I'm like, I just I just called the tow truck company. And I'm like, you know what? It is what it is at this point. And then I just kind of, I left a note in my truck saying, hey, call me when you get it done. I, that's all I did. And then all of a sudden, I just happened to have my phone. I had my phone out at lunch just to check an email. And all of a sudden, it's going off. I'm like, oh, I got to answer this. Disappear around the corner so kids don't see me on my phone. And he's like, oh, yeah, truck's done. Super simple. I was done with it in 20 minutes. Life lesson number seven. Do not worry about tomorrow, for today has enough worries of its own. The reference is to Matthew chapter 6, verse 34. It is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus teaches his core values. Truth is, we cannot help or stop ourselves from worrying. The point is not to hold on to more worry than we are able to carry. Worry about today. There's enough to deal with there. The amount you worry will also determine how patient you can be with others and yourself. about getting reconnected to your faith how did it help you faith isn't just like a one-year thing i'm still working on my faith and my journeys that part like just got started in college and then i found a church when i went to brainerd because i you know you turn freshly 21 and i got an apartment right downtown which is not a good idea right. and i then all of a sudden one night at one saturday morning when i was incredibly hungover i'm like i need to change something with my life you know, so it was a lot of falling in and falling out of faith. In church, Bible camp helped, and then all of a sudden I was I was probably scrolling through Facebook and I saw something, and I saw a camp pop up saying like, "Oh, we need helpers." And I'm like, you know, what? I should go to church. I should find a church that's involved with camps. Right. And then I found a church in Brainerd, and it doesn't have a ton of youth my age, in that you know early twenties, you know mid or between before thirty. But there's, they have a lot of youth that need mentoring, and they don't have a lot of people that'll step into that role. Right. So that was my calling, I think, was to go to a church that needed a mentor for kids. Right. And I do have a great group of kids at home, and they're just awesome, and we always have just the best talks. Right. So how it helped me was, I think it just kind of helped me get back on track, been much happier. Right. It's, but it still is a journey, and I'm still working on it day by day. And this week vacation, I think, was needed right. to kind of set me back on track. Because we all, we all kind of get out of it a little bit. And 
you know, over the summer, being busy with the motorcycle, going on the lakes and hanging out with friends. And right. I kind of fell out of going to church. I think this is what I needed to be like, get back on track, Tyler. Life lesson number eight. Look for ways you can give rather than what you will receive. Psychologists would agree this lesson is one of the most reliable paths to spiritual health, strength, and happiness. Tyler looks at a congregation which does not have what he's looking for, people his own age. Instead of walking away, he engages as a youth leader and a teacher. Too many people walk away from faith because they are too critical of the potential for personal benefit, long before exploring any grasp of giving to those in need. Explain your tattoo. So my tattoo is actually uh, the original logo for Voyager's Luther Ministry. So it's the eye, it's a land with a cross and a bunch of trees, pine trees. And then there's the moon out back. So if you vis- visit the website, Voyager's Luther Ministry, you'll actually see it. And then I have strength from strength in the Lord. And that was a, that was actually on a rock that I have sitting at home for my loss. My tw- after my 12th grade year, we reached into a bag and picked out a rock with a word on it. And my word happened to be strength, which fit very well for me because I was always the one that was so upbeat and peppy. And it was yeah. like, I'm a morning person, and it's like, I'm that, I can be that just obnoxious morning person when I need to be. Right. So that's another one of my strengths that I have for camp, for right. camp, because these kids just don't want to wake up. Right. And I'm like, all right, let's go. It's get a beautiful day. The sun's out. And they're just like, Tyler, be quiet. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's do this. So, and then. That, so that's the main part. Uh, the next part is I grew up on the Bear River up in Little Fork. So the, okay. And so the bear standing in water and it goes into a river. And the river transitioned into uh, a candle. Okay. And then there's also a compass attached to that. And then on the inside there's three crosses. Okay. So I am the way, the truth, and the light. Oh. Is how that works. Oh, that is... Um, yeah. That's it, cool. That took a, about three to four years of planning. <laughs> trying to figure out like how what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it, and it's still not done. I actually go in next week to finish it. So I'm gonna. So what's what's the, what's the missing part now? Um, I have a Harley that I've. That's another main thing. Uh, life story. I crashed that at 55 miles an hour. I got caught in a rainstorm, uh, and I walked away completely unscathed. The only thing I have is about a quarter size. Oh, so this, this is not that. This long was ago. this was like two weeks ago. I had oh. a, I had a quarter size chunk out of my skin that went through my jacket i wasn't wearing a helmet going about 55 60 miles an hour down the highway and just my bike just went out from underneath me and i just held on to it and kind of prayed for dear dear lord so this was very very recently so i'm gonna get the keys and my keychain of my harley right there on that top side and then underneath i'm gonna get coordinates of eagle mountain up in grand marais uh-huh. my childhood home in little fork my dad's uh, house in McGregor, and then I'm going to probably get the coordinates to camp. Why Eagle Mountain? Uh, it's where my grandpa's ashes are spread. Really? Yep. Yeah, Eagle Mountain is highest point. That's one of the things that me and my dad camp to every year, too. So, what caused the bike to flip out on you? Um, downpour, I got caught in water. So, um, so future helmet in, in your probably in your not probably not no I'm, I'm very very stubborn that's one of my it's another downfall i have okay. i can be incredibly stubborn 
Life lesson number nine is simple. Always wear a helmet, Tyler. Many beautiful lives have been radically changed by head trauma. A helmet is not always about you, but the people who love you. Wear a helmet on a motorcycle while riding a bike, skating, skiing, rock climbing. Always wear a helmet. And stubborn is not an acceptable excuse. You don't come off as a person that lacks in confidence, but it's not a cocky. But I'm not. Yeah, I've You're been not cocky. I've been told that, and it's I've been I've been told it's just the way I carry myself, right. and it's the smile that I always have on my face. Cocky is thinking you're good at something even though you're not. Being confident is looking at a challenge when you've never done it, saying, "I know I can do this." Right. If you fail, you fail, but you fail with a smile on your face. Right. I think that's the difference between co- well, confidence. Well, I think cocky. you're. I think you're right there. I think there's something about confidence that it's not. It's not being afraid to fail. Yeah. And that's. I mean, you know, you're, I'm not. Mean, I'm not afraid mean gonna, to have somebody laugh at me. Right. It's if, gonna you happen. You can sit there and look at the um, wood splitter over in there and say, you know, I feel. I think I can do that. Yeah. And if I couldn't do it, ah, uh, it's not man, the end of the world. I tried it. It's not the end of the world. <laughs> it's not the end and of the world, right? I think that is another thing that camp does bring to you is, you get all these, life experiences. Right. I mean, dealing with children and other campers, and then sometimes you have to deal with the parents and all that other stuff. It's just all this life experience, and you're going out on trail, and you're spending overnights, you know, and sometimes we are two miles away from camp, and something happens, and it's just you and two other counselors, and you have to figure out a, situa- a solution. So that, it, help, it helps you build your confidence. Right. So, and I think confidence going into the real world and the workforce, mm-hmm. I think that's a big thing, with, especially with how, you know, there are some jobs out there that are really hard to get. I'm in the trades, so that's, I, you know, I could have, I threw my application out all over the place and I had people calling me because it's just, um, yeah, the, the skilled trades are just not a big thing right now. Yeah. So having that confidence showing up to someone's house, I've never seen the appliance or the furnace that I've worked this like that before but I'm like eh, how hard can it be it's just right. like all the other ones right right so right. I think that's confidence is a big thing that you do build up over camp life lesson number 10 in all things be confident confidence is the willingness to accept a challenge regardless if you fail Well, there's always conflict. There's always people that are different and unique. I don't think difference. I think there's people that are unique. I don't think right. different is a thing. Right. I think there's there's we have a lot of international staff, and it is a sometimes it is a culture shock. Right. So yeah, like today we or this week we have kids that come from the cities. It's a complete culture shock for them. Oh yeah. They've never been up here. They don't. They were making fun of me for my northern Minnesota accent. I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's hilarious. And then people from overseas. We have a couple. From, uh, there's a couple people from Australia, and there's a guy from Ireland. And it, hold on, is it because you live close to Canada? Yeah, I, yeah. Canadian oh yeah, speaking? don't you know? Oof, <laughs> oof, da. Yeah, so kids think it's just hilarious when I say that. Some kids are like, "Let's go swimming," and some some of them are like, "Oh, I don't want to do the polar bear plunge in the morning." I said, "That's okay. Would you mind coming down and watching and supporting us?" And ninety percent of the time, they will say yes. Right. Right. Ninety percent. They they don't say no or. 
there's a couple there's always a couple guys that are like I want to go make friendship bracelets with the girls and the guys are like oh that's what girly things do I'm like you know what they're talking to girls and you're not so you can't make fun of them and then, and then all of a sudden they're like yeah that's true and then sure enough within like 10 minutes there's a couple guys over a couple other guys talking to girls like hey can you show me how to make a friendship bracelet uh, it's, yeah it's so it is it is nice and it's a good way for kids to realize you know, well, I don't do this in school. Well, who knows? Who said you're not going to like it then? Right. So it right. is opening up not only it's opening up their minds to different possibilities and aspects of the world. At camp, you're you're a holy person. You go that, and that was one of the things about what I like being a camper is I could come here and I didn't know anybody, so I could be at who I actually was. Because growing up in a very very small town where I only had 23 kids in my class mm-hmm. or my grade. Mm-hmm. My whole grade of yeah, it's it was nice to actually it was refreshing to be me. Lesson number twelve: It's refreshing being me. Not that it's refreshing being Tyler. Well, it is to Tyler. It's just that it's never refreshing trying to be someone else. So be refreshing and be yourself. When you strip away all the societal baggage people place on Christianity, and a lot of that baggage is placed on people inside the church, you discover this is one of the lessons Jesus tries to teach over and over again. Just be you. It's so refreshing. In 2008, Ellen Spargins wrote the book, What I Know Now, Letters to My Younger Self. The book is a collection of letters from famous women who wrote words of wisdom to their younger selves. The letters were insights they wish they had known when they were younger. I'm not sure if this sparked the phenomena, but soon after its release, writing advice to your younger self became all the rage. It kind of fed the notion of our older selves being wiser than our younger selves. Listening to Tyler, I started to wonder, what if we did this kind of thing in reverse? What would our younger selves say to us now? What wisdom have we lost along the way? Baby boomers rejected the world of their parents. They screamed and shouted to be heard when they questioned the wisdom of adults. It seems funny that now, this generation, is the one who constantly shuts down millennials. Actually, millennial wisdom is constantly under attack from everywhere. Perhaps we should find common interests. Maybe millennials have an insight worth listening to, a reminder of things we used to believe in. Still, as I ponder Tyler's words, he never really leaves the verse which claims his heart. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Actually, I enjoy Eugene Peterson's translation in the message. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now, and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. The problem with may or may not happen is that neither one is taking place in front of you right now. People who focus on those two miss so much life and joy. I guess this goes for wisdom, too. The wisdom of our youth leaves us, and our later-in-life wisdom never was in our youth. Perhaps the answer to connecting the two is a conversation with a child or a grandparent or maybe just someone not your own age. There is wisdom in the present-day conversation. That's our show. I want to thank Tyler for sharing and thank you for listening. 
What little life lesson caught your attention? Maybe it represents your worry for today or your path for spiritual health. I'm looking forward to some really exciting interviews coming out in the weeks ahead. A high school teacher invites us into a classroom. A college counselor talks about addiction recovery in higher education. And we meet a female World War II pilot. Until then, check out the website, OrdinaryVoices.org, to follow along. This is a listener-supported show, so if you enjoy it, please consider financially supporting it by clicking the Donate button on the website, OrdinaryVoices.org. I encourage you to check out RCLWorshipResources.com, where worship planning is made fun and easy. On behalf of all Ordinary Voices, thanks for listening, and I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you.